0: Raymond, before we get started today, I'd like to just take a quick moment of silence for the uh, the uh, the departure, the uh, dearly departed career of uh, Robert Sala as defensive coordinator for the
1: Forty ers I'm dead inside. <sighs> All right, Ray. Before we get started, why don't you let them know where they can find us? You can somberly follow us on Instagram at the Goldcast, <laughs> and you can also follow us on Twitter at the underscore Goldcast. And be sure to subs- like, subscribe, and comment, and subscribe and comment. On Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, everywhere the podcasts are syndicated, we can be found under the moniker of the Goldcast. If you're on the YouTubes, make sure you hit the little notification bell so you get email or text or whatever notifications when we go live on our shows there. And be sure to comment on the YouTubes because that feeds into the algorithm of the platform. So like, subscribe, and comment because we certainly want to get your tiers as we dwell into the official departure of the 49ers' stellar defensive coordinator. Today's a sad day in the world of football, but I guess it's a good day if you're a Jets fan, although uh, I, I'd rather just vomit in my mouth.
0: <laughs> That's right, Ray. We are going to be talking about Robert's Law. This news broke as we were preparing to do tonight's podcast but then of course on the other end of that spectrum what about Adam Peters we're going to talk about it there is some big news breaking there as well uh, we're going to talk about it and of course we're going to do a quick look at the Warriors Pacers game on Tuesday and what we learned from that la- like kind of late fourth quarter loss because I think we did learn a lot about what it, what it takes was going to take for this team in terms of depth to stay consistent and then of course we are going to make my final decision for the NFL playoff bracket, my, my eliminator pool. Another week, another opportunity to survive. Can I go two weeks in a row? We're going to find out. But first, the greatest podcast intro in the game is about to drop. Your professor of fanalism, I'm in the building. The greatest fanalist in the game, he's here too. Classes in session. Let's go. San Francisco, are you ready? ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to a somber edition of the Gold Cast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host Rudy Salisa III, and with me is my brother, my co-host Raymond Salisa I, baby. Boom! So, Raymond, let's get to it. This news broke as we were preparing to literally sit down and do this podcast. Uh, you know, Robert Salah, I'm gonna have have you take the reins on most of this, but just to set people up if you haven't already heard Robert Salah it looks like he is inking the deal as we speak. He will be the new head coach for the Jets. It is a five year deal. And uh, let's talk about this. We, we've got uh, we've got a lot to unpack here. It looks like the 49ers on top of a multitude of positions that they have to fill now have to add defensive coordinator to this job of the search begins for what will look like a very different 49ers team going forward into 2020, 2021. So, Raymond, let's unpack this, talk about this week with Robert Salah. He was kind of busy jet-setting all across the country, and now it looks like he's settled
1: on the Jets. What are your thoughts? Well, I would prefer to swallow my own vomit than be the head coach for the New York Jets, just because I think it is a pretty dysfunctional franchise although they're not as you know they're not the most dysfunctional franchise but i i think they're in that category like if you were to put aside you know 10 of the most dysfunctional franchises the jets would be a part of that group of 10. you know they have done some things well you know they have drafted decent talent over the years they just haven't been able to coach them up properly and in in the worst case scenarios they've actually given those players up The the Obviously, the most obvious name coming to mind is Jamal Adams, three-time Pro Bowler out of the gate, who now plays for the Seattle Seahawks, and Sam Darnold, who's a actually promising quarterback talent, but uh, you know it's it's still uncertain whether he's a bust or not. But it's really hard to gauge his trajectory when he's running for his life because his line's terrible and he has barely anyone to throw to, and does not have a solid running game or a defense to give him more opportunities to to, to boot. So and I, it's just hard, you know, because it's it, Robert Sala is going to be, the challenge with the Jets is he's going to have to find an offensive coordinator to coach up Sam Darnold, and then in a year or two, if, if that coach is successful and they're able to make noticeable progress, then that coach is going to be out for a head coaching job, and Robert Sala is going to be right back at square one again. That is the biggest drawback I see with playing for this franchise as it applies to Robert Saul. He's obviously going to have no problems coaching up the defense because that is his expertise. But the challenge is really going to be retaining offensive staff because once Sam Darnold gets groomed by the right person, that person is then going to leave Sam Darnold for another team. And then you're going to have to find somebody else to fill that void. And that is very, very difficult. We know that if you play... The O.C. carousel game, it is typically not a good thing. Just ask Alex Smith that question, Uh, and he's not the only quarterback that suffered that. I thought that the Chargers were going to be the best fit for him. They actually—he was in L.A., my understanding, after the Philadelphia interview, which concluded uh, yesterday or today, this afternoon he was going to go straight to Los Angeles for the Chargers or somewhere. I forget where he was going to go. He's going to go somewhere fancy. He's been, he's been getting flown out everywhere to fancy dinners, fancy, you know, it's all the, the groom and and, and and the grooming process that these teams do with uh, potential coaching candidates. And I thought that was going to be the best fit because the Chargers did not have an issue on offense last season. Their, their issue was closing out teams defensively. They have an amazing quarterback, a solid running back, a bona fide number one wide receiver. And so you have everything set there, and the OC is still uh, still uh, a part of that team. It was just the coach Anthony Lynn that got fired, but the uh, the OC was still there. So you had a coordinator in place, and all you had to do was shore up the defense, and you had a you know a bona fide playoff contender, in my opinion. So that to me was where things needed to go. If I was Robert Sala, I would. The Jets is just. I just think it's a you are ass. It's it's an uphill battle, and I'm just not sure if Robert Sala is going to be able to sustain that climb.
0: Well, here's the thing: when you look at the most successful dynasties, uh, I would say the the exception being the '90s Cowboys. But if you look at the if you look at the Steelers in the '70s, you look at the especially the '49ers in the '80s, the Patriots of the last two decades. It's generally a coach paired with a quarterback. Montana, Walsh, Seifert, Young, uh, obviously, and obviously our bo- uh, our boys. Just kidding, they're not our boys.
1: Shanahan, Elway, Holmgren, Favre. Yep. I was to say Belichick and uh, Brady. Uh, not our boys. Although he was, although Belichick was more of a defensive. Model.
0: But that was, but the, but the, it was. But he clearly this and this is what I was saying on I believe on an earlier episode or maybe I said this offline I I can't quite remember, but being if you want to be as successful as a head coach when you're the defensive coordinator coming in into this day and age. You can no longer rely on a number one defense to get you all the way. With the way the rules are set up now, they lend themselves to high-powered offenses. That's how this game works. And so if you're a defensive coordinator, in order for you to succeed, you are going to have to put yourself in position to succeed by understanding and learning a level of offense that you've probably never learned before. You kind of got to teach yourself how to become an offensive coordinator as well in order to survive. That is what Bill Belichick did. That's the genius of Bill Belichick. He also could be a special team coach. He could be any coach on any position out there. He is the best coach out there. He learned every faucet of the game. And that is what exactly what needs to happen in order for uh for Robert Saleh to survive because you're in the exact exactly what you said is going to happen every time. Every time he gets an offensive coordinator that he's going to groom up to 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 put his quarterback in position to win. That guy's going to get poached year in and year out, and the formula is not defensive coordinator and great quarterback. Generally speaking, it's not. It's it's someone who has a deep understanding of the offense that's able to maintain and keep that talented quarterback competing at a high level, and that's very difficult to do. Uh, for those of you that don't know, Raymond had alluded to earlier. Robert Sala was in New York at the beginning of the week for a second interview, which we talked about on on uh, on Tuesday's episode. Then he flew into Philadelphia, which I actually thought was actually would have been a good fit for him. I thought Philly would have been a very good fit for him. And then, yes, apparently he was supposed to go to the San Diego, a.k.a. L.A. Chargers to have another interview with them, a second interview with the Chargers. And then this drops. Here's the thing. I don't think and I know we, we talked about this before. You mentioned that the Chargers it was the best uh, best possible situation for him to go in. I agree, but I don't see for one second the Chargers actually hire him. As I've said before, I think they're looking at an offensive coordinator, especially when you got a guy like Justin Herbert, a quarterback that just comes out the gate swinging as intensely as he is. You want someone with a lot of understanding of offense to help cater and usher in this kid's career. And I just did not see Robert Sala being the right fit. I think uh, bien Eric bien from Kansas City, I think that's the right fit. I think that's who you want to go with. It's just the question is, does the enemy want to be in the AFC West having to go against Patrick Mahomes twice a year? Or does he want to go to somewhere like uh does he want to go and become the head coach of somewhere like uh who who do we got a Jacksonville Jaguars with the Travis Lawrence situation, then most likely drafting him? What about or does he want to go to Houston Texans and coach Deshaun Watson? Like, you know, he's got a couple different options
1: here. I think the best team He's in inter, he's interviewing with Houston.
0: He is. Uh he the best team. Setup wise to win right now is the LA Chargers. But maybe the best quarterback out there is obviously. The Houston Texans, Deshaun Watson, who is still, even as of today of this recording, is still being linked to uh, trade rumors. They were saying that the Rams have already made an offer, uh, trading Goff, and of course, you know all what what three of their picks they have in the next ten years away over there to Houston. So there is uh, there's still definitely movement on that Watson side, but it's a question of do you take the best team in probably the toughest division, or do you take a poor team with a great quarterback? in a weaker division. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's a tough go because just because you have
1: Deshaun Watson doesn't mean the rest of the team is going to step up. Indeed. So, I mean, that, I mean, I think, I, it's funny you say Philadelphia. I, I can't see him in Philly. I can't see him in New York or Philly to me. And, and you make a good point about the Chargers, but, I, you know, to me, I'm not sure. I think, you know, if, if you're not at least seriously considering hiring Salah, then I don't think you even bother bringing him in for a second interview. So I, I think there had to have been some genuine consideration there, just like the Jets had obviously had the most genuine consideration, as it turns out. I just don't think, I'm, I'm not sure if he even concluded that interview today or if it was scheduled for tomorrow. I'm not sure how that was supposed to work out or if he accepted it or they said they, I guess they said they reached an agreement in principle. So that means they both said, hey, yeah, this is all good. He just has to go and sign now. So I I guess the the charges are completely out of the question. But the other the other obvious question that people are having now is who's going to succeed? Who's going to be the successor to Robert Sala as defensive coordinator? You know, there's there's one name that's primarily the major link. There was some other uh, veteran names that we talked about in the last episode. They all got hired. Gus Bradley got hired. Dan Quinn got hired. And we know that D'Amico Ryan, D'Amico Ryan who is the linebackers coach for the San Francisco 49ers is pegged as the front runner candidate to be promoted to defensive coordinator. He's actually been with the team since 2017. He was the uh, defensive quality control in his first year and then worked his way up into position coach rather swiftly, according to reports. So, In other words, he was he was very good. He played 10 years in the NFL, I believe, with the Denver Broncos and other. I'm not sure if that was the only team he played for. He made two Pro Bowls in his career. And Fred Warner just loves the guy. Whether he can call plays on defense is, of course, another question, because he is a young coach. So we'll just have to see if they choose him. That'll be the big if question. If not, I expect him to go with a veteran name that that knows defense very well, that can kind of fill in and just kind of. Do what Salah was already doing, just because everyone's used to that system. At least you hope that's that's what they would do. But um, but that that I think that pretty much says everything that needs to be said about uh Robert Salah. What's the latest on Adam Peters? So obviously this
0: is the uh, person I've been keeping track of. For those of you who are very intimately familiar with the Goldcast, Adam Peters is our VP of Player Personnel. He has helped construct. Three Super Bowl teams in the last eight years: two at Denver, one here in San Francisco. And is in this gold cast, this gold cast as compared to all the other gold casts. This gold cast's humble opinion: probably the hardest person to replace in terms of uh, coaching slash front office staff. So, good news. So far, every job he's applied for has been shored up and taken by someone else. The one that we were that was looking pretty tight was the Carolina position. He went in for a second interview, but it now looks like that the Carolina in Report reports that the Carolina Panthers are expected to hire Seattle Seahawks VP of Football Operations, Scott, Scott
1: Fitterer. Fitterer, I guess he was the right Fitterer for them. Fitterer, like like if you're. Yeah. Like if you're not in shape, you want to get fit. And then if you're fit, you want to get fitterer.
0: Yes, yes, yes. Like if you're like, you're like, man, I'm so, I love this CrossFit. I'm so buff. I got to take it to the next level. Let's get fitterer. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. (laughs) <laughs> that's exactly it. That's uh, so. It looks like as of, as of right now, Ray. It looks like Adam Peters is most likely going to stay. His uh, the other right man hand of John Lynch, Martin Mayhew. It does look like he has a second interview with Washington, and he may be gone. But we all really wanted Adam Peters at least one more year. I feel like that's really what we are looking for with the Gold Cast. One more year out of him because we are still in this Super Bowl window, and it just felt like. He's just not a guy you want to lose right now. Next year, sure. After we raise the Lombardi, us, the Niners, Deshaun Watson, after we're holding that Lombardi, then he can go. It's no problem. But you want to keep him for one more year. I'm just kidding. Uh, but the Do- John Watson thing is actually, you know, just to touch on it real quick, it's still very much alive. This is far from a wrap. Uh, apparently, the Rams, it's been reported that the Rams have offered Jared Goff and a host of their one and a half draft picks that they have for the next 10 years. And um, so offers are being made. And if the offers are being made in the NFC West, you better believe the 49ers are going to be in there, too. The thing that isn't reported a lot, and if you if you listen to some interviews, if you actually read some previous interviews of John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan a lot of the trades that have not happened the famous trades that haven't happened that the Niners were linked to it's not like the Niners didn't offer they offered and sometimes you can find that information online you can see what they actually offered oh we offered this they wanted this we offered this player but they wanted that player Lynch has been open I mean they they looked at they looked at Tom Brady I mean they they, so you know I think sometimes people think that when these trades don't go through that the Niners aren't trying or they're not even bothering or They don't even care. No, the Niners care. If you think for one second, the Niners haven't put together at least one or two trade packages to see what Houston thinks, you're out of your mind. If you think that conversation hasn't happened at least once already, you're out of your mind and you're fooling yourself. Just because you don't hear about it doesn't mean it's not happening behind closed doors. But so as of right now, though, Raymond, the good news is we are keeping Adam Peters. We're losing Robert Salah. We're keeping Adam Peters. So I will take that.
1: Uh, I'll take that for right now. I still consider it a win. Totally. That's a big win. I'm I'm very happy about that uh, just because he is one of the key cogs to the right of John Lynch. And we really need his help in this upcoming draft because we're kind of in a weird flux position where Jimmy G's health doesn't give us confidence that the offense can sustain itself uh, in his absence. And perhaps an insurance policy is required this season this, in this year's draft. We don't know. Or maybe we need defense to fill the voids from the departures that are most likely going to happen from the players that we can't retain, i.e. Richard Sherman. Um, so, there, so a lot of questions on both sides of the football as it pertains to the draft. But I think overall the squad is going to be pretty good as long as they stay healthy as, as usual. Um, But uh, at least we know we're going to go into the draft this year with our our head of scouting, uh, the best talent evaluator we have. I completely agree.
0: And I'm very excited to keep Adam Peters. And, uh, you know, it's like I feel like it's a rallying car. like at an election. One more year. One more year. One more year. That's what we want out of him. All right, Raymond, moving on. Let's move into some Warriors talk right now. We had a game on Tuesday. And that was, of course, against the Indiana Pacers. And this was a game that was really lost... Late in the fourth quarter, a game that we we were it was pretty tight, tightly contested throughout the entire game, but then at the very final seconds, Warriors lose it was thirteen unanswered points at the end of the fourth quarter that did us in. And I want you to talk about what exactly went wrong. What was the difference? We were on a two-game win streak. We were looking pretty hot. And we have a Pacers team that's not bad, but I feel like on paper the Warriors were better then. But of course, what do you think was the main difference in this loss on Tuesday?
1: I think it was a lack of offense down the stretch and, and just they just didn't have enough defense. Pacers made the shots they needed to make and the Warriors didn't. All they had to do was retain the lead. Uh, if, if they would have kept, what they needed to do was sustain what they did in the first quarter, which was Warriors basketball. Lots of ball movement, terrific defense, and they were up by a considerable double-digit margin after the first quarter. And that just didn't last very long in the second half of this contest. and. The absence of Eric Pascal was certainly felt because he's obviously a great defensive player and also a good scorer. He can put points. He's not like a a tremendous scorer, but he can put up points. So you were missing offense and defense on the floor in his absence. And by the way, that was reported today officially as a false positive. So he could have been in that game. Uh, He is in the game tonight against the Nuggets. That's uh, already at halftime, I believe, at this point. But, uh, but that's unfortunate to hear because I think if he was in the lineup, it probably would have made the difference. It
0: probably would have made the difference, and I completely agree. I think that if, if Pascal's in there, we probably win this game. Uh, but this also, what I think this really shows about the Warriors is that as scrappy and as fun as they are to watch this is a team that needs all hands on deck playing at the top of their game as best they can as a team night in and night out to stay successful and we we can't even really afford one cog right now if there was a clay thompson if if you know if we had him there to bounce out the offense then you know we'd get a better shot at it but for as of right now it's very difficult to to make to it's very difficult for this team to win without being completely on and that's what it's going to take for this season that's just kind of that the game that they're playing right now um they're very scrappy they're very fun to watch and as i already said before they kind of remind me of last year's giants and they're probably going to end up somewhere there middle of the pack pretty you know good enough to good enough to win some some games uh probably bad enough to win to win I'd say good enough to win some games they shouldn't bad enough to win some bad enough to lose some games they shouldn't have you know so that's kind of what we're going to see a little bit of them going on this game tonight I'm very intrigued we will talk we'll touch on this briefly next week's episode this game against Denver and of course the fr- Friday's game against Phoenix has been canceled due to covid so that is your warriors watch for the week and we'll talk about more about that as we move on. Now, Raymond, it's time for the next thing. The thing I'm probably the most excited about, our playoff eliminator pool. Let's get to it. As we mentioned on last week's episode during, during uh, the playoff eliminator pool section on this week's episode, or just earlier this week, we were talking about... How I had gone off the Seahawks and had chosen the Buccaneers as a last-minute pick. And that is how I survived last week's Eliminator pool. And that was a great decision because had I chosen the Seahawks, I would have been out. So this week, Raymond, now we are re-entering the playoff pool. Once again, I can no longer use the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers are no longer available to me because I used them last week. And now I must pick another winner going forward. It's getting tight because from here we go... The AFC, NFC ships, and then the Super Bowl. So it is a very tight, and you gotta really kind of choose your battles right now because if because you don't want to pick somebody that's probably gonna be in the Super Bowl and maybe win the game, the the whole thing, i.e. the Chiefs. And I really what I feel like is to the best thing to do in this playoff pool is to go with to go as unemotionally as possible. Don't go with who you want to win. Oh, I really want the Buffalo Bills to go. I'm rooting for the Bills. If you don't think the Bills are going to beat whoever's in front of them, don't pick the Bills. Even if you want, well, I want this team, but I believe this team's going to win. Go with that. Go with that. I think the, the main trick is to avoid getting emotional about this and then just going with someone because you want them to win. Let's say, like, I go, oh, I, I really want the Bucks to beat the Saints. But i don't think they're going to do it but i'm still going to bet on the bucks no that's not how this works this is just about picking a winner and surviving to the next week all right ray so let's talk about some numbers here i've got some numbers laid out for you we're going to start with the ravens versus bills game okay this is going to be on saturday january 16th the right now vegas has buffalo out two and a half point favorites and our betting public right now, it's 72% in favor of Buffalo, 28% in favor of the Ravens. Let's look at a little bit of betting trends, okay, here. So, Baltimore is four. 4- they are four and one straight up in its last five games. Baltimore is against Buffalo. I don't always put that into consideration because you know that that to me isn't quite as important. If you look at just some more betting trends, Baltimore is seven and zero against the spread in the last seven games. Uh, Buffalo is eight and one against the spread in its last nine games. Buffalo is seven and zero straight up in its last seven games. Buff. Baltimore is averaging twenty eight point seven points per game. That is number seven in the NFL. They are surrendering 18.6 points per game. That is tied for first in the NFL. And Buffalo is Buffalo is averaging 31.1 points per game this season, number two in the NFL. And they're surrendering 23.5 points per game. That is number 15 in the NFL. So, pretty tight position here Baltimore versus Buffalo who do you got
1: I got Buffalo by a field goal I think that's going to be a close game Buffalo even was in a in a close game against the Colts that came down to a hail Mary and I think the Ravens you know are a little bit more difficult at least on the ground not so much in the air the the, the Colts are better in the air but the Ravens are better on the ground and I think that uh, that's going to be it's going to be a close one so, Buffalo by a field goal.
0: All right. Buffalo by a field goal. Okay. So, let's move on here. I've got the Buccaneers and the Saints. Tampa, Tom, Tampa Bay against Drew Brees and the Buccaneers. Did you see the uh, Twitter post that Brady put up? of them both as old men and it said it, was a, it looked like a History Channel ad and Brady had like a beard. Breeze was balding with glasses and it, it, he posted. It was hilarious. I don't know if he made it or if he had someone make it. I don't know if he took it from somebody else, but it was just history awaits. And then it showed them and they both <laughs> look like they're 100 years old. It's really funny. I'll, I'll have it posted up right now as I'm describing it. It'll be posted when you see it on the Goldcast. All right. So, Raymond. Right now, as it stands, this is a tight, tight game. The Saints are favored at minus 3. And the public betting percentages right now, 42% with New Orleans, 58% with Tampa Bay. The betting public believes a little bit more in Tampa Bay. But this is one of those games I think you could close your eyes. And if they played 10 straight versions of this, I think the split might be 60-40 maybe in favor of the Saints. But the Buccaneers would still come out with at least four of these wins. I really do believe that. So this is uh, this is going to be a tight one. I'm very curious to see how this is going to go down. This probably is going to be one of my most favorite games to watch for the weekend. So let's look at some betting trends. Okay, uh, New Orleans defeated Tampa Bay 38-3 in the most recent meeting between these two. This was in week nine of this season. That's pretty important. They did sweep them this season. New Orleans is 2-0 against them, beating them a total of 72-26. to That is quite a haul for the Saints. Uh, New Orleans is 5-0 straight up in its last five games against Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is also 4-2 against the spread in its last six games. Tampa Bay is 0-5 in its last five games straight up. So here we go. So Raymond, oof. The total has hit the under in seven of New Orleans' last 10 games. And let's take a look at some stats. Final stats here. Tampa Bay is averaging 30.8 points per game. That's number three in the NFL. Tampa Bay is surrendering 22.2 points per game. That's number eight in the NFL. New Orleans is averaging 29.6. That's number four in the NFL, right behind the Bucks. And New Orleans is surrendering 20.4 points per game this season. That's number three in the NFL, five slots down from the Bucks. Raymond, who wins this game?
1: Well, I want to get. I want to say that there's emotion involved with this one because I want the Saints to win because I don't feel like Tom Brady needs to win anything beyond this point. But the stats also support my emotions. Tampa Bay has a dismal record. Against playoff teams this season, I think they've only won one game. Yet they've beaten everyone with a losing record. And by the way, they just got past the Washington football team, who, who'd have thought, has a losing record. I think that the Saints complete the sweep, and I think they do it by at least thirteen points. So I take the Saints. Thirteen points. Wow. So you you would you would take you would
0: take the over on the uh, spread here. You take the over on it.
1: Yep, I think the defense just overwhelms Tom, and it's just not enough for him. So I I think this is an easy win. They just know that team so well. They own them right now. And again, like I said, Tampa Bay this season has struggled mightily against playoff teams. They've They've beaten the teams they should beat, and then the teams that perhaps they can, that are more or less their level or more, they've only won one game. So this is not this is a team that is not good against winning teams, great against losing teams.
0: All right, there you have it. Raymond is going for the Saints. Now here we go. Next one, Raymond Browns and Chiefs. Okay, this one's a lot bigger. Vegas is saying Kansas City minus ten points. The betting the betting public, we've got fifty nine percent in favor of Cleveland. in favor of Kansas City. Obviously that, you know, now those percenting bettages, they could be spreading on, they could be betting on the line, they could be betting betting on the over-under, the spread. So there's a lot of different things that could be happening there. So it doesn't necessarily mean that everyone believes that they're gonna win. Um, but it could be just see, there's just a part of that bet that people like. So, but having said that, uh, let's see here. Cleveland is four and eight against the spread in its last 12 games. The total has hit the over in five of Cleveland's last seven games. Kansas City is 0-7-1 against the spread in its last eight games. Kansas City is 4-1 straight up in its last five games. And uh, Cleveland, oh, Cleveland, eh, that's all right, we'll move on from that. Let's move down here to the bottom here. Cleveland is averaging 26.8 points per game. That's 12th in the NFL. Cleveland is surrendering 26.8 points per game. That's 23rd in the NFL. Kansas City is averaging 29.6. That's 4th in the NFL. Kansas City is surrendering 22.6. That is 10th in the NFL. So, a tale of two pretty Pretty decent offenses, but definitely the, de- the 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 difference is in the defense. Where Kansas City is obviously surrounding a lot less points. Raymond, who do you wins this? Who do you think believe? Who do you think wins this game?
1: I think the Chiefs, without a doubt. It's just the most high flying offense in the league. They're coming off of a break, a break too winner. Where in Week seventeen, they just really didn't have all that great of a game. So I think that they come back refreshed and ready to pick up the pace right where they left off, which was before Week 17, which was basically on a steamroll of the NFL.
0: All right, so Raymond says the Chiefs. I feel like this one's a given. I'm going with the Chiefs as well. Okay, final one, Ray. This is the Rams and Packers. So Green Bay is sitting at 6.5 point favorites. The betting public, 80% in favor of Green Bay. 20% Twenty percent in favor of Los Angeles. Obviously, a lot of people think they're the winner. The let's see here: Green Bay is five and one straight up in its last games against the Rams. The Rams are six and three against the spread in their last nine games. The total has hit the under in four of the Rams' last five games. Green Bay is 4, one, uh, four and two against the spread in the last six games. Green Bay is six and zero straight up in its last six games. All right, so here is final stats. Rams are averaging 23.6 points per game. That's tied for 20th in the NFL. The Rams are surrendering 18.6 points per game. That's tied for number 1 in the NFL. Don't forget, Aaron Donald may be out. Green Bay is averaging 31.8 points per game this season. That's number 1 in the NFL. Green Bay is surrendering 23.6 points per game this season. That is tied for 14th in the NFL. So, Raymond... Who
1: wins this game? Hmm. You know, Aaron Donald didn't practice all week except for um, today. He was limited in practice. So he is, as of today, trending up towards playing. But um, I still think that just Green Bay is so well-balanced as opposed to the Rams, where the Rams just have a few good things. They have a Ramsey. They have an Aaron Donald they have some good wide receivers, they have a running back committee and they have a spotty quarterback at best especially when he's under pressure. So I just think Green Bay refreshed kind of conquers the this this particular NFC West challenger. If it was the Niners it obviously would be a different story, but in this case I think that uh, perhaps cuz it manner these are two Kyle Shanahan proteges going at it against each other. I think this time LaFleur is ready for it. And I think he's going to take advantage of an overrated Rams team.
0: Well, he has a much smaller task against the Rams than he did against San Francisco last year. I mean, who are we kidding? They were pretenders and we proved it. This year, I think they're the real deal. I think Green Bay is probably going to win. So here's where we're going to go with that. Looking ahead at the landscape here we've got the afc nfc ship and then we have the super bowl right if i'm just being objective as possible i think it's more than likely that the afc is going to win the super bowl i think the chiefs or the bills one of those teams is coming out as the super bowl champions this year that's objectively i would love for the saints to win i'm fine with the packers winning uh i don't really care for the rams don't want to see them go and uh, I definitely, uh, and I would love to see the Bucks go. I'd love to see anybody but the Rams go and win this thing. Doesn't really matter to me. Having said that, I don't think it's their year. I think it truly is the year for the AFC for the AFC. So what I'm thinking here now is that we have to go with one of these teams. Now I've already chose the Bucks, so now I've got Let's see three more choices. Right? I've got the the Saints, the Packers, and the Rams. And I'm still feeling like the Packers and the Rams are the safest bet. Maybe not the sexiest bet, but the safest bet to choose who I think is going to advance. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, I think that's probably the safest team to bet. Although I, I, I feel pretty good about the saints over the Bucks, just because the bucks, you know, the, I just not sure. I just don't think that they can overcome. Uh, I don't think, I think they can. I don't think they can avoid the sweep in my opinion, but in terms of just, you know, picking the safe, the, even, even with that in mind, I still think Green Bay is the safer pick. The, the Green Bay game is the safer pick.
0: Yeah, I think it's a safer pick, too. I don't want to pick between the Chiefs and the Bills because I believe they'll both be in the AFC ship. And Yeah,
1: I, I, I'm not even touching AFC right now because both those teams are strong, bona fide teams. They're easy picks to make because of that. But, I you know, you might I think you should save them.
0: Yeah, I agree. But yeah, the other tricky part is that if I choose the Packers and then the Packers win and they go to the NFC Championship and they face the Saints and I think they're going to beat the Saints, then I'm forced to choose between the Bills and the Chiefs that they both make it to the AFC Championship and that's not going to be fun either. And if I choose the Chiefs, I'm stuck there. So it's, it's very tricky, you know, as we're looking down this line. This is very tricky. So... We shall see. All right, folks. We'll be back next week to talk, obviously, the results of the playoffs and, of course, just uh, everything going on in Warriors world. And we'll see what's going. On, where the 49ers go from here. Who do you think they should pick as their new defensive coordinator? Do you have somebody in mind? And... Uh, who do you think? Uh, how do you think the Niners going to fare in the upcoming matchups here, uh, particularly against Phoenix? Because uh, I really want to see how they do against a fully healthy Phoenix who also played lights out last year as well.
1: It's supposed to be a challenging road trip too, so it's unfortunate that that game got canceled. They're playing the Nuggets, which is always a tough matchup. I think they're down by at least double-digit points right now in halftime, and then they have the Lakers coming up later in the weekend too. So this was going to be supposed to be a pretty – difficult road stretch so we needed to see the if the if the road warriors were gonna battle their way through this uh so we'll just have to see nuggets and lakers
0: absolutely we'll have to see and uh i i'm hoping that that at least the warriors can stay healthy and that this ends up being a pretty good contest for them uh good test and so concludes another edition of the gold cast we are the voice of the bay i'm your host rudy slisa third and with me is my brother my co-host Raymond Solis the
1: first, baby.
0: Boom! We'll see you next time. Same Goldcast time, same Goldcast channel. This is is the Goldcast.